Hello, this is a Trevor Jackson podcast sponsored by Anchor app. Hey, let's get to it, man. Like, if you're uh, enjoying the show, comment, join the discussion, subscribe to the channel. And if you want to donate to the show so we can keep elevating, so we can keep discussing the topics, leave something in the cash out. I appreciate all of y'all. Let's get to it. So if y'all watched the previous podcast, this podcast, and the next six podcasts, I'm going to uh, play the instrumentals to my next album and the intro of the podcast. Tell me how y'all feel in the instrumentals so you can get a feel for the vibe of the next album before it come out. But first of all, like, how was y'all day, man? You know what I'm saying? I hope everybody had a great day, a prosperous day, a blessed day a successful day. Uh, I hope you made a million dollars today. You know what I mean? I had a great day myself, though. Like, in North Carolina, they just now opening back up the saunas, right? So, I got in the sauna. I haven't been in the sauna in a year because in the gyms, they closed the gyms down for nine months, and when they opened the gyms up, they had restrictions. We couldn't get into the sauna, and the gyms wasn't 24 hours when they first opened them up. So, it was, it felt good to get in the sauna today and drink plenty of water. And uh, I took the sauna for granted, man. Like if you don't know the health benefits of being in the sauna, it's like it calms you. So if you have another stress day or whatever and you sweating out all those toxins, it calms you. It uh, provides better rest. You know what I mean? It's a weight loss property. Like you can lose weight, sweating out all those impurities that's in your body, those toxins, those salts, those sugars that you consume throughout the day. So getting in the sauna is a great thing, man. But make sure you drink plenty of water before you get in there so you won't get out and pass out and be dehydrated because I know a lot of folks don't drink water, man. They like flavored stuff. You know what I mean? And water is essential to the body. So let's get on into the podcast, man. I named the podcast Olympic Consumption. The reason I named it Olympic Consumption is because, like, uh, I'm ready for the Olympics. You know what I mean? I'm ready for the Olympics, man. And I hope they don't get canceled because they said only 2% of the people in Japan has been vaccinated. And uh, in the news, they're saying that they think the Olympic game should be canceled because it could be a super spreader. It could be a super spreader because people in Japan isn't vaccinated the way they are here in America. But who knows? You know, the American news will tell us anything and sell us anything. So with that being said, like, I'm ready for the Olympic Games. And then uh, consumption. When I mean consumption, Olympic consumption, I don't mean consuming the games. I mean consuming food, what goes inside your body. And why Bill Gates buying up all the farmland in the country? Hmm. We're going to discuss that. We're going to pull up some videos. We're going to discuss the videos and everything. And I know y'all seen uh, me put a fat Joe on the YouTube thumbnail, but Fat Joe is on the YouTube thumbnail because he said DJ Khaled is the modern day Quincy Jones. That's blasphemy. 
Fat Joe and DJ Khaled should be boycotted against like how Kwame Brown is trying to boycott the Breakfast Club. They should be boycotted against. But the star of the Olympic Games, my personal opinion, is a female named Shikari Richardson out of LSU. Shikari Richardson, man, I'm rooting for you. Like, she's a young female. She's a 21-year-old female. She's very exciting to watch. And I think she's going to be the star and she's going to steal the Olympics. So let's check her out. This was yesterday, her running the 100-yard dash. And look at her. She's just 21. She's short. Like, she's real small. She's going against big girls that I think their legs long. They should be fast or whatever. But, you know, sports. Sports. You know what I mean? Anybody got an opportunity to win. But let's check out Shakari Richardson in the 100-yard dash. Like, this is everything. This is what you're going to watch the Olympics for this year. And if you capping and saying this ain't the reason why you're going to watch the Olympics, you just cap. We'll see. She's going to be tested because the young lady to her right there with the blue hair, Shakari Richardson, I think is getting ready to run something we have not seen on U.S. soil. For 33 years. I asked you earlier today off air, who does she remind you of? What, who is she a blend of? You said she's a blend of a little bit of Flojo, a little bit of Gail Divas, and then a lot of her own. Yeah, of course. And they keep calling them up for some reason. Shakari has um, what has become her signature hair color and nails she uh, she says it helps her uh, just express herself she likes to have a bit of fun with it different hair colors at different meets she said sometimes i wear red because if i'm in an aggressive mood black, i have black hair it kind of calms me down if i need to chill out i'm not sure what the blue represents let me put it this way if she runs what i think she's about to run you may say you may see blue hair for the rest <laughs> of the year she may not ever go away from it when she turned professional Things didn't actually go her way immediately. Uh, you know, missed the team to Worlds yep. and, you know, the, 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 the projected career path didn't immediately happen. But boy, is it happening right now. She said, this is my year. Watch out. Xfinity Women's 100. Lane seven, third from the left of your screen is Shakari Richardson as she builds to speed. And what is that time going to be? Shakari Richardson, 10.74, 10.78 this time. She wins here at the Golden Games in Mount Sac and just slightly slower than what she ran in her heat. Is she upset at 10.78? Oh, the wind switched on them. She just ran 10.77 into a minus 1.2 meter per second wind. So she that would have been 10.6 today. And I think that's what she's just figured out, that, yeah, you just ran that fast into a headwind she's over here mm, mm, mm. like the young lady is killing it man she runs the 200 uh meter too and she's fast in that also she runs the 200 meter and uh that is going to be the star of the olympics for the usa and who all is waiting for the olympic games do y'all miss the olympic games are y'all interested in the olympic games do y'all want to see the swimming do y'all want to see uh, all the things that Olympics, you know what I mean, the Summer Olympics has, like the basketball? Is the basketball even going to play? But me, like, I'm really interested in uh, the Olympic Games. So let's get on. Let's switch the topic right quick and talk about Fat Joe saying that uh, 
DJ Khaled is the new Quincy Jones. What has DJ Khaled done? He ain't won one Grammy. He got hits, but he just putting them together with popular artists. Quincy Jones? Didn't Quincy Jones make the theme song for Bill Cosby? The Color Purple? Wasn't he the producer for Michael Jackson? Didn't he produce, uh, play the guitar for Elvis Presley? Like the level of disrespect to compare him to DJ Khaled. You know what I'm saying? It's it's like uh, his career is 70 years. It spans 70 years. He has been nominated for 80 Grammys. He has won 28 Grammys. He has won 11 Oscars. Come on now. This cap, he produced Michael Jackson's 1979 album, Off the Wall. 1982 album, the biggest selling album of all time, Thriller. He produced Bad. He made the, uh, the instruments. He produced the song, We Are the World. Come on now. Like, that's Cap now. That's big old Cap now, uh, Fat Joe. Fat Joe. I don't even know if I check for you ever again for saying that DJ Khaled is the new Quincy Jones. Now Fat Joe is upset with fans for calling him out for supporting Fat Joe. Let's listen to what Fat Joe got to say. He came uh, Johnny the jeweler, Mike the jeweler, this, this, this. So when I make reference to Khaled being the Quincy Jones of hip hop because he puts it together. Now there's a million guys putting a bunch of rappers together. One million guys putting shit together. Every DJ, every guy you know, and they come together, big guys, and they're not hits. Mm. This is my point. Khaled puts out number one albums, number one hits. The album is incredible for me. Does he get a man his credit? You know, and, and so we deal with so much hate of people just you know what I call them? Uh, Monday, Monday night quarterbacks, Monday morning quarterbacks, and uh, backseat drivers. I would have did this, yo. I could have did that, yo. I did. Nah, son of a, nah, bro. Nah, bro. I make my music. I was there for the whole entire album. I make my music. I like making my own music. My little brother Kelly, he does his thing. And I support them all the way. You gotta believe me. You obviously hear me. And so people ask me why you ain't on the album. Maybe it wasn't the right fit. It wasn't the right song. And so, and so, uh, enough of this blasphemy. Enough of it. Like, to be honest with y'all, man, a number one record today is different than the number one record in those times. We live in a microwave uh, era and we live in the streaming era in this new millennium or whatever. And in the streaming era, music doesn't have to have a big accomplishment that it has to have have back in those days. If you went and purchased a physical copy, you actually cared about it. You got up, you went to the, uh, the store, you purchased it, you put it in whatever device you had to have to play it and listen to it. Now, these albums is on these things. 
these albums is on these things and it's right in your hand. It's in your pocket at midnight and you can stream it. And a stream doesn't have the same amount of value as a physical copy because you have to purchase. So him comparing DJ Khaled to Quincy Jones is blasphemy. And I dare somebody try to tell me otherwise. For real. Real talk. So now to talk about consumption, I ain't going to talk about it. I ain't going to talk about it. I'm going to just let, you know what I mean? Somebody else talk about it. Why do we need to change what we consume? Why do we need to change our ideology on the pyramid? Y'all remember the pyramid in school, the meats, the veggies, the, the dessert, the whatever it was. I forgot what it was, but you know what I mean? Why do we need to change our ideology on consuming food? Okay. Here we go. I'm going to let y'all see this, and then we're going to talk about it. Why do we need to change our food system? Every day, you have to eat, just like the other 7.2 billion people on the planet. By 2050, at least 2 billion more people will join you. Will you be able to continue eating the same way? Let's take a look together at four examples of our food system's limitations. First limitation. One out of every three people suffer from malnutrition. 794 million people suffer from hunger. And 2 billion people do not have sufficient access to vitamins and minerals necessary for growth and development. On the other hand, 1.9 billion people overeat. And 600 million of those people are obese. Consequently, more people suffer from illnesses, such as type 2 diabetes. Second limitation. Our food is too rich in fat, sugar, salt, and meat. This type of diet has an impact on health and the environment. For example, it can lead to increased heart disease and higher greenhouse gas emissions from meat production. Mm. In addition, our food is less diverse. 75% of our food now comes from only 12 plants including rice, corn, and wheat, and from five animal species, including cows, chickens, and pigs. Third limitation. One-third of food is wasted. Out of all the food we produce, one-third is not consumed, but thrown away. Fourth limitation. Our natural resources are under pressure. One-third. Sources of fresh water are running dry and existing water resources are becoming polluted. 33% of soils are degraded. Our biodiversity is threatened, with tropical forests disappearing and many plants and animals endangered, such as bees. On the real though, like, on the real, people would think that that's not serious. But if you have children, they said 2050, if you have a child today, 2050, they'll just be 30. So being aware of what you consume is necessary. It should be taught in every household. But what I come to realize about food consumption 
is that like in the communities I grew up in and it's just not the communities I grew up in. Let me stop limiting it and uh, speak from just general. It's, It's everybody. People do not care about what they consume until they're sick or they're about to die. Like folks will go out to eat and they'll eat anything and won't care about it. They'll eat multiple starches and multiple meats and bread and everything, and they'll just and they'll wonder why they're sick. Eat five, drink five sugar drinks a day, then eat a piece of cake or go to Krispy Kreme and get them a dozen donuts. You know what I mean? And uh people don't people want their meat so bad that they don't care that it's affecting. You know what I mean? The uh, global warming, like the process of meat being distrib- distributed throughout the world. It's affecting like everything. And uh, I care about those things. I'm aware of those things. And I think everybody should be aware of them, but people aren't. When I have discussions with people about consumption, they seem like, why should I care? Or I don't care. But in our reality, it's bigger than you. Don't you care about your children? Your nieces, your nephews, the babies? Man. And then when I think about, like, investing. When you think about the richest people in the world, they're pulling their money out of stocks. They're pull, pulling their money out of stocks. I research things. I research where the money is going, what people investing in. You look at the tech world. I consume uh, plant-based meat from time to time, but I really don't like it, though, like that because it's manufactured. It's processed. I really don't like it. But when I look at people from the tech world, They're all about innovation and moving things forward and moving the world forward. And they're investing in Beyond Meat, Impossible Meat. And it's more technologies and things that's coming out that's uh, making things processed that's going to make it taste more like meat, but it's going to have a healthier aspect to it. It's not necessarily healthier, but it's going to have a healthier aspect to it. So. If they invested in that, what's next? And when I did my research and what's next, I found out, like, what Bill Gates been doing? Hmm. Because Bill Gates invested a lot of money in Beyond Meat when it was popular. So I found out what he was doing. And Bill Gates, he's the number one farmland owner in the United States. And when y'all see how much farmland he own, y'all going to be like, oh, let me see. Let me see what I can do to have a healthier diet, to live healthier, to support the local farmer's market near me, to buy fresh, to not go to Walmart and get those up. <laughs> vegetables and fruits that look like it got lotion on it. You know what I mean? You know when you go to the uh, Walmart and you see apples and you be like, damn, that apple shining. That's not how apples supposed to look. They're supposed to look dry and spotty and all of that. But when we go to uh, (laughs) 
Walmart or the food, whatever, you know what I mean? Food line or food city or whatever. And we see those fruits and vegetables. They be looking like they put cocoa butter on top of them. That's some sort of coating that we don't supposed to be consuming. So support your local farmers market. But Bill Gates, this is what he's investing into right now. And I'm intrigued. And I hope this intrigues you also. On the surface, farms. Bill is betting on farmland. In fact, he recently became the largest private owner of farmland in the world. His family office, run through a series of shell companies, was found to be purchasing large swaths of farmland with water on site throughout the country. Newspapers and reporters across the nation have been reporting on these massive land transfers for years. In 2018, the Tri-City Herald revealed that Gates had purchased 14,500 acres of farmland in Benton County, Washington, for $117 million. Revelations by this article led to an investigation by Land Report editor Eric O'Keefe, who found Cascade Investment LLC, the Gates family private vehicle that owns these plots. His report claims that the Bill Gates Foundation owns well over 268,984 acres of farmland across the U.S., and that number is likely growing each year. While this is interesting in itself, like I mentioned earlier, on this channel, we're going to focus on the financial aspect of this revelation and not dwell on the Gates controls the food supply side of things. I'm going to examine this move from the stance of value investing. Betting on farmland isn't exactly a secret. While everyone is out there pushing their chips on Google, Facebook, GameStop, and Zoom, there is a quiet group of investors, some of which include Dr. Michael Berry, who are betting on lesser-known, more exotic opportunities like agricultural land with water on site. Warren Buffett famously bought a 400-acre plot in 1996 and 14 years later in 2014 acknowledged that his farm had tripled its earnings and is worth five times more than what he paid. With UN projections forecasting the global population, to increase to about 10 billion, it's a no-brainer to think with 30% more miles to feed, farmland will be more and more valuable. From family offices to pension funds, there is growing interest for farmland investments, but right now the totals are a drop in the bucket. While Gates may be considered the largest farmland owner in the world, only 0.5% of the Earth's farms are institutionally owned. A very large majority still remain as privately held small family farms. We know what the elites think about the U.S. stock market. Bill and Warren, who are great friends and business partners, have been telling us quietly for years that the market is a rather unsafe place to park your assets. Just take a look at this clip from a 2020 interview. We still, if you look forward, are at these very high valuation levels. And so uh, it's hard to see that the market will uh, be gaining a lot uh, over the next few years, I think people should have fairly modest expectations uh, on what what their portfolios will make in the the year the years in front of us. As COVID fades away, companies that surge thanks to lockdowns will most likely come back down to more genuine levels. The writing is already on the wall. Smart money is searching for safer places to place their bets. Calling the U.S. stock market overvalued is putting it lightly. Meanwhile, the infamous World Bank is predicting the actual. So when I think about the investment part of it, I think that it's mandatory that people eat. And the population is growing at an all-time high. 
So if you have to feed billions of more people, how valuable is that land going to be in the long run? He's going to be a trillionaire. And they said that placing your money in the stock market isn't safe. So when you invest in another person's ideas and you make a profit from it, that's cool. But when you invest in something that's mandatory, a necessity, then that's when you really win. And also, like, the consumption part of food. When you think about it, fruits and vegetables, it's already being genetically modified. And people think what Gates is doing, he's trying to control what we're consuming. I don't know about that. I would be assuming that. So I'm looking at it as this man is a billionaire and he's investing money into it. And he's getting ready to reap a reward. That's ridiculous. Like me, I think that it's a good investment. And I think that that's something that I should be interested in investing in farming. And I ain't talking about farming meat because you can go, you can teeter totter with animals and not make no profit at all. But when you, when it comes to vegetables, that's straight profit because the only thing you're investing in is seeds and growing and water and, and taking care of the stuff like manual labor. That's all. When you invest in animals and stuff, you have to feed them and hurry up and inject them with steroids so they can get big, fast, cut them up, package them, all of that. That's a lot. That's a lot. I wouldn't want to do that. But everybody who tuned into the podcast, man, I appreciate y'all. And uh, man, you know what I've been doing mid-pod all the way. Support my new album, man. Let's do it. So if y'all been, you know what I mean, listening to The Breakfast Club and been aware of what's been going on at The Breakfast Club, then you've been hearing about Kwame Brown. <laughs> and Kwame Brown is calling for a boycott of The Breakfast Club. And the things Kwame Brown has been saying lately has been very interesting. Kwame Brown, he's been talking about Stephen A., he called uh, Matt Barnes, Becky with the good hair. He went in on uh, Steven Jackson. And the things he's been saying has been, I can't say they truth, but they've been very entertaining. He's talking about Michael Jordan. But Charlemagne responded to some of the things that Kwame Brown said. And Kwame Brown responded. And when Kwame Brown responded, it wasn't that nice. Man, it wasn't that nice. 
Hey, man, that's funny. My graphics look better than the Breakfast Club, man. But we're going to check out Kwame Brown's live that he did today. And we're going to discuss some of the things that Kwame Brown had to talk about. And then we gone, man. Appreciate y'all tuning in. I hope y'all have a blessed morning. Let's do it. Closing. I'm just used to getting ranked on, so I was ranking on a nigga. So, but we take things so personal now, cause we celebrity and nobody did not say nothing about me. And we got all these entourages and see you can't even take a joke and all this other man. People joke on me all the time. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> see it, but I can see in today's society and climate how one little joke could have turned into something else. So, shout out to Cam Newton. Shout out to his friends. Uh, I respect y'all. It was just a joke. And maybe a joke that I shouldn't have made because it ain't none of my goddamn business uh, how you dress. I'm a grown ass man. I shouldn't have been worried about how you dress. Uh-huh. So I'm going to just do the Jamie Foxx. Blame it on the I, 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 alcohol. <laughs> but at least nothing happened. You know what I'm saying? He went home to his mama cooking and I went home to my mama cooking. So he was raised right. Shit, we don't crash out over no motherfucking joke. Fuck wrong with you, nigga. You see, that's that ego. If he was a real nigga, shit, he had to shoot the whole club up. <laughs> so, shout out. Uh, matter of fact, this is a, uh, some people don't understand sarcasm. So, look it up. This, so, this is sarcasm. Shout out to the Breakfast Club in defaming my character in my family's character and having a vested interest in a company and then going on a syndicated radio show and talking about another man that didn't say anything about you. Shout out to iHeartRadio. Shout out to Charlemagne the God. Shout out to Angela Yee. Shout out to that leash-wearing wife stepping on his back, spineless ahi tuna I would call you Becky with the good hair, but your hair don't look that good. It look like your fucking hair balling. You want them stressed out light skin nigga, because you got to say, uh-huh, honey. Yeah, honey. Boy, you ain't stand up straight since you were, what, about 15? Nigga, what's, so, what's wrong? Get a divorce, nigga. Your mental health is better. Get, nigga, you, you know you don't want to go home. You know you don't want to go. Who the fuck want to go home after you did what you did and your wife drug your ass? Now, imagine if she did that to your punk ass in public. Imagine what she doing to you in private. Mm-mm-mm. God damn. And then allegedly, I heard, I think I seen, I might have seen, but I got cataracts. Is something wrong with my left eye? Because DJ Augustine poked it out in practice. So I had to get, uh, I was going to get LASIK surgery, but I can't. Because DJ Augustine, you motherfucker, you detached my retina, you son of a. But you my dog. Shout out to DJ Augustine. But anyway, um, yeah, I can't really see, but I think I saw a text, allegedly, almost saw, but I don't got a really good 2020 vision, but I think I saw a text where a woman, DJ Envy, sent you something about some 9.5 inch uh, thingy thing. God damn. 9.5 inch thingy thing, what? Damn. Um, and allegedly, I think I saw the text 
Well, she said she wanted to do something with this 9.5 inch thing. And uh, first of all, I don't think a woman, matter of fact, I know without a shadow, 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 of a motherfucking doubt that no woman in her right head space, I don't give a fuck if she in her wrong head space, would text me no shit like that. Mm. So, how did she know to be able to text you some shit like that? And how did she know? And nigga, just I just got a question, nigga. You responded. I think allegedly I saw whoever it was text back, said something that looked like you a wild girl or some shit like that. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Go along. Get along, gang. Y'all fuck with mama's cooking. See, yeah. quicksand ain't scared of nothing. What you ever seen quicksand scared of? Don't know how, don't matter how big it is. Quicksand don't even gotta fight you hard. So easy. <laughs> at the end of the day, he calling for a boycott on the uh breakfast club. And the reason he's calling for a boycott is because like they mention his name first on the things that he's talking about. And when they mention his name, it's like they was in protection of Matt Barnes and uh, Steven Jackson because their podcast is on the black effect. And the black effect is a, a entity that's owned by Charlemagne the God. So he brought up Charlemagne's rape allegations. And I played the uh, the lady on the last podcast talking to a star about the situation between her and Charlemagne when she was 15 years old. Then he brought up uh, DJ Envy crying because he cheated on his wife and how bad he talked about Erica Mena after he cheated on his wife. And just now he was speaking on uh, how they talk about how gay they is and stuff. Charlemagne and uh, DJ Envy, they be making all these little gay things and stuff and talking about homosexuality and sticking dildos in them. And they think certain men is cute and all type of stuff. And he's calling for a boycott of the Breakfast Club. Are you going to boycott the Breakfast Club? Are you going to unsubscribe to their channel? I haven't been interested in the breakfast club since Dick Gregory was on there. The last one I seen was Dr. Umar and not that I watched the breakfast club to hear intelligent black men talk, but I'm interested in the, the good shows, the good conversations they have. Cause a lot of the stuff they be having be fluff and bull job. I didn't look at the Hillary Clinton or the Joe Biden episode. I could care less about their political point of view because I know where they stand in a political point of view by listening to them talk. But at the end of the day, Kwame Brown, protect yourself. I salute what you're doing, man. And thank everybody for watching the podcast. Subscribe to the channel. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. And if you support me, you said donate to the cash out and two brothers will be back live Saturday. Peace, love, plenty of abundance. Go and get you some money.
Jackson Podcast.